Off the ball, Daly. Uh, you're very welcome along to Old Belvedere Rugby Club. It's great to have you with us. So off the ball, as I'm sure you know at this stage, is proud to support Tackle Your Feelings. That's brought to you by Rugby Players Ireland. And it's in association with Zurich Ireland and the Z Zurich Foundation. So Tackle Your Feelings Schools is a free wellbeing program and app. It's developed by experts. And uh, very simply, it aims to help upskill students to deal with life's everyday challenges. And you can check out tackleyourfeelings.com. Very happy to say we have a brilliant panel, three ambassadors for Tackle Your Feelings. We have Billy Dardis, we have Emer Constein, and we have Andrew Porter. You're all very welcome. It's great to have you here. You two played together, you two trained together, you two must have met somewhere along the way, so you all sort of know each other, I think, is the gist here. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Great. commented or something, said something. <laughs> yeah. Something good something or bad nice about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Billy, you and Andrew played... Right up until 20s, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we would have played Irish 20s together. My first yeah. year, 20s. Yeah, and yeah, my yeah. second year, 20s, yeah, yeah. I was 20s together in the academy together, yeah, started yeah. your career, and then I would have trained a little bit again. We briefly crossed yeah, over. I swiftly left the sevens yeah. program. Yeah. yeah, so the sevens, uh, male, female train, same campus or even a little bit together, or that seems to be a relationship? At yeah. At the time when I was involved, with it, there was a lot of weekend camps as well. So the you were weekend oh, camps at the very start. Bit of overlap. Um, and similar tours and training camps and that, and even trained against you. We still do. That's yeah. what I was telling Joe earlier. We still, um, only the week before we went to Cape Town, the World Cup, because the girls were playing New Zealand, needed a bit of a ramp up in preparations, trained against them and got a good blowout, which was interesting. It's always an interesting experience playing against the women. And um, yeah, I, yeah, I think they get a lot out of it. And so do we. Um, just It's a good blowout. Well, this is uh, hopefully an interesting non-rugby conversation in many ways. You're all ambassadors for Tackle Your Feelings, so I presume, Andrew, to get the ball rolling, you're the most recent Tackle Your Feeling uh, edition. You would be approached by charities, uh, various guises. Why Tackle Your Feelings? Why did you come on board? Uh, well, like it was an easy decision for me to make. Like it's, a hip, it's an incredible initiative to get behind. It's, I've obviously had my struggles in the past with, with mental health, and it's... it's especially aimed at kind of younger younger people in, in schools with their Attack Your Feeling Schools initiative. So um, like it's it's an incredible charity and it's something that really means a lot to me. And I think it means a lot to, to Emer and to Billy as well. Like, um, like I said, it's, 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 it does so much for so many people. And, and if I can do something to, to help along the way, I will. Emer, you're a teacher, so you're seeing everything from all angles. You must see what it's like on the ground and the challenges the kids face. Yeah, it's not easy being a teenager these days and I see it firsthand and the, the skills program is a new, relatively new initiative that wasn't there when I, they were just launching it and, and I suppose the background work was being done when I first came on board. Um, but I suppose it was more like just to show to people that like even though we are athletes, you see us on screens, you see us on social media that you know they're their well, mental well-being, like everyone wants it, everyone needs it. And when I chat to the girls in school about, you know, what is mental well-being? You're like, do you want to be happy? And it's always a yes answer. I said, well, that is well-being. But, you know, if you want to be happy, it's it's ticking off a lot of boxes to get there. Um, so it's not just for athletes. And that's the main thing. It's, it's anybody, really. And mm -hmm. it's just the tools and finding the tools that... And I think the time that I came on board as an athlete, as an ambassador, was pre very, very early on, right before COVID. And those tools, I thought, were particularly useful to be able to dip into the app, especially. And 
be grateful for things that like we were stuck in a 2k limit and being able to use the app and to find the good in not so good a situation was it was really really useful for me and it's as an athlete as a person as a teacher I think it's a across the board it's really good. Mm. I'm curious um, so we're all different some of us are prone to being sensitive about things, prone to overthink or worry. Others are just lucky enough by nature or nurture to be naturally optimistic and less sensitive. So I'd be curious even to get it on a spectrum. Where would everybody class themselves? I'll start with you, Billy. Um, I think naturally I'd be a bit of an overthinker, like a lot of people. I think you kind of learn through experience to like whatever is thrown at you. You can't control everything is to just get on with things. So I've become a lot more relaxed over time to like take the good and the bad which with a pinch of salt and just kind of get on with things i suppose that comes from sevens my past experiences through school and everything and um, it gives you a bit of perspective and gives you forces you to relax a good bit more i don't know about you guys how where you would find yourself on that spectrum it's a tough one like yeah. sometimes <laughs> Yeah, like I'd be chilled. I think I'm a bit more laid back. I definitely am an overthinker and that kind of a thing. And maybe I should think a little bit or care a little bit more about certain things that it's just, I think being so busy, being, being an athlete and having a full-time job, you're rushing and you actually don't get meaningful um, time sometimes because you're just so, you're always rushing from one thing to the other and actually don't get time to overthink things, which then in fact allows you to you know be extra busy and then it's only when you sit back relax reflect and think oh that was really good or I got through that really well or I really really struggled getting through that time mm. and because you were so busy you never actually realized it and I, I spoke about that in my Tackle Your Feelings video about the the burnout and it was came from me just actually taking a step back and realizing dear god I hated school I hated training I hated rugby I hated my free time physical activity it was like god this is all the signs of burnout but at the time I didn't realize it because I didn't think about it I hadn't the time to think about it and when I actually did get the time to think back over it I realized that actually I had all the symptoms of burnout at the mm. time. Andrew where are you? Yeah like I'd be similar to kind of Emer on this like I'd be I'd be I would have been worrying about kind of about things that I that just wouldn't kind of it would be taking up too much of my time and like like the burnout she was saying like I'd be trying to fill my time with all these things and then you don't really know you're you're in a burnout until it's too late like and then you're kind of your kind of brain is fried from just overthinking things and um yeah but like I've come to you kind of come to learn these with these things and your experiences and and just kind of letting things go kind of kind of taking a breath like in the moment of, of when things are heating up like and that's why the the app and that's why Tackle Your Feelings is so good I think it's just being able to kind of teach you how to kind of take that breath and just be able to relax when things might not be going your way but you, you're able to find a solution for it. Yes well I think Emma you used the word tools and I think tools is very appealing to lots of us because it's less airy-fairy and it feels like something pragmatic and, and something we can implement so Billy made us all jealous uh, pre-hitting record because meditation is one of those things people mention and we would all like to say we meditate for 25 minutes every morning before <laughs> eating our porridge and our doing our yoga you're the only one who seems to have a reasonable um, habit of meditation for one thing so that'd be one of your go-to's yeah I like to I suppose 
be able to take a step back and take that breath. I find I try and do it twice a week. I don't do it every week. I'm not perfect by any means, but maybe twice a week, try and do some yoga for like half an hour. And then, yeah, I think once you're that calm and relaxed and present, it's nice to be able to yeah. to lie back and sometimes just with some music and just chilling. And um, yeah, I suppose it's just bring yourself back down to, to earth, thinking about good times, trying to put yourself in a good, good mood. But um, yeah, I try and, try and do it twice a week. So. Brilliant. Well, I guess there's a whole array of things that don't even have to be all that complicated, like good sleep. You know, it's a starting point for everybody. What are your go-to, Zimmer, and yeah, the, the good times or the bad times? It's the basics. It's good nutrition. It's plenty of sleep. It's surrounding yourself with good people. It's meeting a friend for a coffee, finding time for yourself. I always speak to Hannah about I always have time for my nails, no matter how busy I am. It's my thing. And okay. it's just the self-care that you need in life. And so the tools that you can... You know, you can't something some things you can't control. You can't control you know, we've had we've had trauma in our past, we've had you know, we'd be busy in work and some things are completely out of your control and it's how you react to those things and everyone has a choice at the end of the day of what well, am I gonna get mad about it or is there anything I can do about it? Like what is the solution and like when it comes to rugby it's the selection side of things, you know, with with us, you know, we are full time professionals on top of players and when you're not selected for a weekend camp or a weekend, you know, a Six Nations game, it's just well, I get to spend time with my family. I get to spend time with my friends. I get to catch up on this, that, and the other. And so you, you have to you, see- you reframe it. You, you see, try and find the good in a situation. Try and find, well, what is positive of this really crap situation that I can't control. So I can't control that, yes, there are certain elements that I'm obviously not selected because of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. But then you try and see, well, what does this allow me to do? What opportunity am I now faced with that I wouldn't have had had I been selected in that. So you just have to flip it and there's good in every situation. It's just about, I suppose, finding it and being present at the moment. Um, and I, like you said, they're so simple, the tools, and it's over COVID as I always go back to that. But I used to make um, my sister, she was she came home from Australia after she got flew home and, and it, there was a two week strict quarantine. She was out in the garage. She's never let us forgive her um, for two weeks. <laughs> and like, like she had the locked in the garage. <laughs> in the garage for two weeks and we used to have coffee out the window with each other. So I'd make her a cup of coffee and I'd sit outside the window. We'd chat through the window. I used to make her think of three things that were she was thankful for as she okay, stuck as she stuck in the shed, um, but it was like this cup of coffee, the chats, and being at home, and it's like okay, it was so crap for her, but you just have to think of well, what am I actually grateful for? Yeah. So simple things. It's really not rocket science. Yes, I think we all stole a glance at your nails. I can confirm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. they're in great shape. <laughs> they're always done. Uh, Andrew, what are your go-to's then? Be it you know run of the mill day, tough day, good day. It's it's something I've really kind of come to learn about myself like it's 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 something might work for me might not work for someone else like it's like I could go for I could have the worst day ever and I could just get home and I'll see my fiance and my dog and I'll bring the dog for a walk or something to slap my headphones on and kind of try to like shut things off and just kind of relax kind of enjoy my own company and just enjoy kind of being outside in fresh air that kind of thing like I'd I'd immerse myself in my in my training like I what I had done in the past I'd just immerse myself in my training just to kind of um take my mind off things in, in that way and try to keep myself busy in that sense yeah. but like it all comes back to being grateful like like Emer said and it's just being grateful for what you do have like I think people can get so lost today in in social media and 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 things like that but I think it's about being grateful for what you have and kind of mm. looking 
inside it yourself rather than looking outwards and the social media side of things kind of looking at that kind of distorted reality mm. kind of that's that's out there especially for for young people these days it's 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 a tough kind of place to be in yeah so like i think for myself definitely i've kind of shut i tried to shut myself off from from social media especially playing it's it's so tough as well because say if you you might not have the best game or something and you see it's nothing worse than going and seeing something written about you like mm. so that's why i just try to shut myself off from that kind of that side of things so fair enough yeah but like it's different things for different people it is yeah you haven't had a bad game in about two years i would say that you're all right there's much bad said about <laughs> yeah. it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> go searching for yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is a this is I'm cautious about it, but slight generalization. I noticed that it was only Emer who mentioned I might meet a friend for a coffee. And I think if we were to generalize, I think women generally are better at reaching out to a friend and talking. And, you know, Andrew, you're, go be myself, be by myself. I wonder, are we less inclined as men to reach out and talk to people or no? You did mention your fiance, so I'm sure you talk to her occasionally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, 100%. Like, it's, it's the people who you surround yourself with are like they mean everything to me like all my friends my family mm. even my dog like it's 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 what you have there like they're your kind of your backbone they're that's my wife for a lot of things like that's i'll do a lot of things knowing that i have all them behind me and mm. um, would you unload to them things aren't going well yeah like I, like that's the thing with the environment i'm in now in, in leinster and, I, and in ireland i think the the stigma around kind of male mental health has kind of changed um, compared to what it had been in the past. So mm. I think people are more open. I definitely am. I'm more open talking and kind of unloading what's going on in my head. So yeah. um, compared to what I had been doing in the past where I'd just be bottling everything up. So Right. Well, I'll come to that in a second. But I would think not least in a male dressing room. I, mean, I don't have experience with a female dressing room. You can give us a sense of that, Emer. But uh, I would think in a male dressing room, uh, weakness is generally slagged, and that's the group coping mechanism. Or else, it's 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 hidden from the group generally. I I wonder is that space becoming maybe a touch more gentle or understanding or yeah. mature? I saw something recently about it that if you want to get stronger in the gym, you go go to the gym and work on it. It should be the exact same with your mental health. If you're not if you're struggling with it, you should go and seek help or chat to someone and yeah i think things are changing i kind of see in like our dressing room guys are more than happy to sit down and chat to people now i've seen i've heard about cases only recently where guys struggle kind of by themselves and it's only when you hear that that it's, it's like geez we're all social animals and we love being asked for help and it's um yeah, I think people do really appreciate if you do ask them for help. So it would be nice to change that stigma. I definitely do think it's changing. There's a lot of people speaking out about it these days, which is really important. Mm. How do you suspect the female dressing room? How would you categorize that? Oh, I think everyone knows everything about everybody. <laughs> it's like it's, it's um, we're pretty open, pretty close group as well. And it is really encouraged among the group, obviously through our reps and that as well, to go talk if you're like that. It's like if you can't get your mental game right either, like it's an element that you're you're missing out on and everyone wants to be a better athlete, person, mm. happier, like I said, and those little one percenters, you know, if, if you think that by talking to somebody or seeing somebody professionally will make you a better athlete or a person or even happier, you're going to want to do that. And I think, yeah. I think the, the females are definitely, the girls seems definitely 
easier and there's probably more of us that go chat to people week in week out um I can't I can't speak for them and I don't know how often or how many that they do but I know from the girls in Ireland that um they would avail of the tackle feeling services quite often and the, the the services that RPI um set out for us mm. uh, during the most recent six nations I, I was thinking in advance of the panel <coughs> so you started the first game against Wales and then you're out of the team and then you're back in the team and it's all a little up and down so what's that experience like yeah, like it's the, I suppose it's the, you have a choice in how you react it. You come in training on the Tuesday with a smile on your face, but a point to prove. Um, you can, like I said, you can react in two ways. You can sulk mm. and not be picked again for the next week, or you can say that I'm a really valuable part of this team and show them why you think you are. And if you believe you are, well then, you know, you have to go in believing in yourself 100%. And if you don't, well, how can coaches believe in you? So mm. it's just, you have a choice, like I said, in everything that you do. And, you can react and if you want to play badly enough you'll put your hand on put your hand up and and put everything in place that the coaches want you to do and, and be the person that they have no other choice but to pick mm. um, it's not easy like I'm not saying that not getting selected isn't easy um, you soaked a little bit surely yeah and actually in fact the weekend I didn't get selected was the, was the Italian game and yeah. I was so sick that week not even like I, I wouldn't have been able to play if I was selected right, okay. something like everything happens for a reason you know mm. <laughs> <laughs> good time <laughs> uh, what about I suppose uh, pressure to win be that self-imposed or from the country like do you Andrew like does when you think of the World Cup is that like like a thought of oh pressure or is it can't wait, really looking forward to it? Like how does the World Cup sit on your horizon mentally? I'd use that. I I try to turn pressure into into excitement. So it's like it's it's how you kind of perceive things really. It's like you can either look at it as this big kind of daunting task that's never been done in the history of Irish rugby, or you can look at it as a huge opportunity to, to go out and, and take it. Like you mm. can go like it's obviously a huge event on the world stage but like you're there for a reason hopefully they'll be there but um i think you will hopefully <laughs> yeah yeah but um it's one of those things you have to really kind of channel and just kind of it's your own perception of it mm. like i look at it with huge excitement because i i'm you have to back yourself you have to back your ability and the ability of your teammates mm. at the end of the day really so i'm hugely excited for it and, and then what do you do when that because we all have thoughts and you know we're not our thoughts but they're flowing across our head quite a bit what do you do when the thought comes in oh man if we crash out quarterfinal stages again and all the criticism when that thought comes across your head how do you deal with that i think it's just kind of positivity going into it like it's it's positivity and that like I said it's it's backing yourself if you're backing your own abilities and um hey there will be negativity going around whether it's in the media or or wherever like like on social media and like stuff so mm. um but like I said earlier it's like it's you have to try block all that out that's you just have to focus on on what you're doing and on what the team is doing I saw in one of the Tackle Your Feelings videos, Emer, you had a great line where you said, you know, you've come to the conclusion or you've, you've come to kind of the, um, the ethos. It's not about being the best, it's about being your best. And that, that probably falls into that category of, well, there's only so much I can control. Yeah, it is. And there's only so much you can do as well. And if you think you've done enough and you're still not selected or if you've done enough and you still don't win, at least you can look back and say, well, look, there's nothing more I could have done. I made every tackle, I carried hard, I 
you know, trained hard, lifted well in the gym and, and you just can be as good as you can be. You can't be as good as somebody, you know, you can't control what somebody else does outside of the pitch. You can't control a selection a lot of the time. You can't control what a teammate or an opponent will do. But it's um, once you know that you've done your best, that is enough. And no matter what it is, whether it's sport, across the board, once you can put your hand up and be honest with yourself, then it's a really good lesson to you. Mm. What about you when it comes to setbacks in rugby? Yeah, I've had quite a few, but you, you kind of, yeah, as I said earlier, you learn from it that um, it's not the be all and end all. And I suppose um, I've learned a lot over, probably more particularly recent, recently, um, that like there's, there's more to life than rugby, I suppose. And when it comes to pressure and whatever, um, there's no one's putting any more pressure than on you than you probably are yourself. It's mm. probably all internally, but at the same time, I've probably learned a lot recently that there's there's more to life than rugby, and um, at the end of the day, it is just a game. Um, I think you start realizing you actually start enjoying things more when you realize that rugby is just a game at the end of the day. Like it's yeah. your job, but <laughs> <laughs> it is just a, it's a game. It's it's my hobby. It's what yeah. I do for fun. Yeah. And when it stops becoming fun, you have to take a look at yourself. And, and the more important things in life are your family <coughs> and yeah. your health. Mm. And like perspective. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And certain experiences and certain moments teach you that. Um, and that really, if you lose a game, it's not the end of the world. If you lose a tournament or if you have a bad game, yeah, I'll try and do it right the next time or whatever, but um, it isn't really the end of the world if you do mess up once or twice. Mm. Is that why you took time out in 18 to go and travel Emer and get away from it? And yeah, it I think it was a mixture of the burnout kind of thing as well that I had been playing high level inter-county football in Camogie as well before I started rugby. I was traveling up and down from Dublin to do both camogie and football so like my Friday could be get in the car at three o'clock drive down to Clare and do a camogie session get up the next day play a football match in Cork then drive to uh, wherever and play a camogie game could be Derry and then back to Dublin again do it all over again for mm. the week and it was just I went from du a dual inter-county player to then Irish sevens which was at the time amateur so we trained Monday to Friday and then did weekend camps so I think it was like sport after sport after sport it was busy the whole way through and I think I just felt that the only way to actually get away from sport is to leave the country. Um, and I left the country and travelled <laughs> many of them and came back broke, but I came back with a new lease of life. Like I have never enjoyed rugby more than when I came back in 2018 and had a few good seasons personally. And you sometimes need to just take a step back and realise there is more to life mm. than rugby. Mm. So it's, it's interesting to get your perspective on, on just managing kind of the routine aspects of day-to-day -day life and the challenges that come with it. And then there are just times that there's, I mean, you can reframe things all you want, but it's, it's just a horrific time. And I'm conscious both you, Emer, and you, Andrew, have lost a parent when you were both very young. And I can only imagine if you want to start Andrew in so much as you're comfortable, I can only imagine what it's like to navigate the fallout from something like that. I mean, it just, it must be near impossible at times. Yeah, like it was obviously when I was very young, so it was, um, it was completely kind of shook everything shook shook my world like it was just like and at the time i didn't know how to deal with it because mm. there wasn't any tack your feelings or anything back then so there was and you were 12 i was 12 yeah at the time and i'd literally just started school started secondary school i'd gone in the day after the funeral the secondary school so um yeah like it was it was crazy like going into a new environment kind of not knowing anyone in in, in secondary school um 
and like that was the thing I felt like I was on my own nearly I was so did you not take a bunch of friends from primary school I had a few yeah but like sure I was, we were all put into different different forms and different classes so like, you were completely mixed up like but like at the time I just I felt like I was completely on my own mm. it was it was it was madness like I didn't realize how many people were around me and how many how much support I had there but it was just I shut everything off I was just like bottled everything up which was obviously the like the worst thing to do but you're so young and you just you don't know you don't really know any better like at the time so yes um yeah like it was it was an incredibly tough few years like I went through eating disorders and stuff like as a result of it like so I think that's that was a result of bottling everything up not talking mm. like knowing now I had everyone there to to talk to but yeah, at the time, you don't know, you don't know any better. So mm. and that's like, like I'll come back to it again. That's why I think this, the tackle your feelings is so important because now kids nowadays have that support network that they can realize it's not a weakness to go and talk about these kind of things. Yes. So, yeah. And was your, was your mother's passing a shock or had there been an illness or? Uh, it was cancer. So yes. yeah, like I'm, I'm also, I also work with the Irish Cancer Society as well because yeah. it obviously means a lot to me and the rest of my family. But yeah, it was, it was, it was a shock to me because at the time you don't really think the worst. You don't, you don't know what it is. Like I, did, yeah. I had no idea what it was. I thought it was like a cold that like should be getting ready, should be ready to take me to my rugby match the, the week after or something. So, um, it was a shock to me. Like I think my my dad, like I, I owe him everything. Like it was in terms of kind of looking after me and not kind of expose me to to all the kind of scary, the bad news back at the time. But yeah. and like he's like I owe him everything mm. in in terms of how, who I am today. Like in raising me as a single parent. So um, and my two sisters as well. So um, yeah, I owe him everything. Honestly, it's. Um, it's it's yeah it's tough to put in words what he's what he's done for me like and, and how he's kind of molded me into the person I am today but yeah um, like you said like he was always there for me but I never knew it at the time yes of course I mean I'm sure he must have himself been completely unsure as to how to handle everything like do I do you go to school the next day after a funeral do you do you sit at home and think about it what's what's the best thing to do nobody probably knows yeah yeah I don't think there's any like kind of concrete answer to it I think like he obviously he's he did his best and he still he still does like his his like his kind of what he did for me in all those years like and and my two sisters for my whole family like it was yeah it's incredible like supporting us on his own so mm. um yeah like I, I honestly owe a lot to him for what he did so you bottle up your feelings as you say and that becomes your kind of way of dealing with things I, I presume that's why maybe an eating disorder blossoms and man, you know the grief manifests in that way did it get serious were you I, I read just a line from your where you were saying that you went from maybe biggest kid in your class starting off to almost the skinniest kid in the class over what kind of time period was that yeah that was over I think from first to second year like it was just I think I saw pictures I remember ages ago I saw pictures of myself and I wouldn't have even recognized myself like it was it's scary how much your mental health can play in play into some can manifest into something like that so like it's 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 crazy kind of looking back on it now yeah and kind of 
and realize I'm kind of, that's how grateful I am now to, to be where I am at the moment. And would you, I see it's hard, who knows, it's hard to remember what your think, thought process as a 12, 13, 14 year old, but did you remember at the time thinking, my relationship with food has become different or unusual to what it had been, or maybe you didn't even know it was happening? You, like, that's the thing with, like you said, with the burnout, like it's, you don't realize you're burnt out till you're, till you're kind of at your wit's end, like where you're, I, I didn't realize I was doing anything wrong, like, at the time, I didn't realize I was at a disorder or an eating disorder at the time. So um, until like my family were worried about me, like and like you like you said, I was the biggest the biggest lad in school and going to the nearly skinniest. So it was, it was I think the people around me kind of were like a bit a bit shocked as well. But I think everyone at the time, like all your kind of your schoolmates and stuff, they don't, like they don't know at the time how to how to say it to you or how to how to ask or like are you okay but that's why I think having your kind of support network there having your friends your family like being able to ask someone oh you're okay or being able to kind of unload and, and like you're not a, a burden on anyone that's how I, that's how I would see it like if someone came to me saying oh, I'm not happy or anything I'd be like oh open up like let's sit down and have a chat like yes as Billy says everyone almost wants to help anyone yeah yeah and did the, was it the weight loss that prompted some kind of intervention or how do you remember navigating your way out of it? I think, I, like, I can't remember if there was any certain kind of event that kind of kicked it off, but I remember, I remember my dad was just kind of, I could see he was struggling. Like it was just from what I, what was going on with me was obviously affecting him. So, um, yeah, I don't think there was any like specific event. It was just more just kind of, I could see what like what my family were trying to do to help me, and then kind of realised at the time, okay, maybe I need help. Maybe I need to kind of maybe I need to talk to someone about this. And did you do that? Yeah, like I, I got counselling when I was when I was young. So and that like that did help and kind of helped me open up to to more and more people. Like a chatted to my dad more and more, chatted to my sisters, chatted to my friends, my, my extended family. So I was able to kind of unload this thing that was eating me up on the inside. Like grief. Yeah. Sadness, yeah. 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 Uh, there's again, silver linings are the, is the wrong expression. I, I presume you and your sisters and your father going through that experience has maybe brought the family tighter. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like this, it's mad what kind of, instances like that can do to a family like at the time you think it's the worst thing ever and then like a couple of years pass it definitely definitely does bond your family together and it brings yeah like it brings you closer and like that's like i said they're my why like that's why i do what i do and that's yeah like i, I try to do my best for them try to make them proud for for everything they've done for me in the past and one last thought, and then my chat to Emer and, and her, her experience. So I, I presume it's, I presume, I don't know, it's less raw now, the grief, but on the big days and on the happy days, your mother's absence must be felt. How do you deal with that sadness? Do you embrace it and allow it fester for a while or do you push it away or what's your approach? That's a tough one. Uh, yeah, like this, that's the thing with life. You're gonna have ups and downs. Um, it's just a matter of how you react to these things. Like, obviously, it's um, it's never easy losing someone that close to you. Yeah. So, but 
it's I've kind of come to I've come to terms with it in a in a way where I can't dwell on on that. All I can do is try and do my best in the memory of her. For like, I obviously I'd love her on those big days, like your big kind of milestones, like your getting your first cap and and all that kind of playing for your like representing your country or your club or um, those kind of big days in terms of a rugby player, but also just. Christmases and birthdays and stuff like yeah. that is, is is obviously tough. Like so, but like I think the best thing I can do and my family can do is just kind of remember. That's the thing when you lose someone, just never forget. Like yeah, I, amazing. I mean, thank you so much for for talking like that. I don't, I don't know how you did it. No, sorry, I probably burned your ear off. Eh? <laughs> no, no, geez, far from it. I mean, Incredible. it's it's an amazing thing um, to have someone in, of your profile just talk like that, and it's 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 so sad. It's inspirational. It's it's everything combined. Imer, you were 14, I think, and uh, total shock on a family walk and your father passed away. Um, Andrew talked there about the experience of trying to handle those immediate years as being incredibly challenging. How did you cope in the immediate aftermath, do you remember? Yeah, like they're kind of a blur similar that you, I had my home ec practical the next day and I went in and did my home ec practical. Like it's, I don't know, was it me? Was it my family not knowing what to do? But I went in and I did my cookery exam. Um, and I think then sport kind of kept me busy and my mind occupied and not that that's a good thing to do, but it was my outlet and it was my, I think my escape and my coping mechanism. I was always busy with sport mm. um, and I never really spoke about dad and, and his death. And because I kind of didn't want to be the person who had lost the father, I didn't want to be the poor girl over there. I didn't want an excuse. I didn't want that to be the reason why I got good grades or why I excelled in sport or why I made teams. I wanted to do it for me. Um, but then when the Tackley Feelings campaign came, and the reason I spoke about it in the first place was because like someone hearing that story from you and I got so many messages afterwards from people saying I wish there was someone like you and so-and-so passed away or when my dad or my mother passed away and you realise the significance of the impact that you have when you tell people that, you know, I've lost somebody, it wasn't easy. Um, the role model that you are to some people from like that story yeah, yeah. or my story. Um, just to be more relatable to people and mm. to be more relatable to, to like, like I said, so many messages and I'm sure you're the same, so many messages, people didn't know your story and it's just, by, it wasn't about me, Do you know, for a finish it wasn't about me, it was about what impact can I have on other people and the Tackle Feelings campaign is about opening up and life is not all rainbows, mm. you know, it has, there is, there's ups and downs and it's how you deal with it and I suppose that's the main reason why I spoke about it and like it wasn't easy um, but, and I, and I didn't speak about it early in life and it was only recently when I, when I did start to do it and that brought, you know, skeletons out of the closet too that we, we, we didn't really speak that much about him. As a family. As a family at home. And too, you know, that was, too painful, I presume. Yeah, and like that was it as well. And um, I suppose we brought it to the fore and my sister was in Australia when this video came out and you know she got particularly emotional about it as well because as a family we hadn't spoken about it and my brother is nine years older than us and he had taken over that kind of father figure of our family. Um, obviously my mother, like, like I, I like your father, like I can't express the gratitude and everything, like every single thing that she did was for us and like, I just think now, as a grown adult, trying to like, with a husband trying to manage like an income with two, two incomes and trying to like manage finances and schedules and I have nobody to look after but myself and like, God, how did 
she do it and have such high standards of us. And I suppose we had high standards because we didn't want to let her down because we knew that everything that she did was for us. Mm. Um, like a no amount of words or thank yous can, can thank her. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just, you just, I think as an adult, you're more admirable of them because you're like, Jesus, how, did, how do they get through it? How do they cope with one, the loss, and then two, having to be the strong person of the family and ensure that life goes on because at the end of the day, life does go on and you have two ways to react. You can fall to pieces, which is very normal. Yes. Or you can pick up the pieces and put it all back together and that's what my mother did. It sounds then a bit like the Considines almost from literally doing the junior cert practical the next day and what you said about your mum, there was a degree of we're just putting our foot in the accelerator and we're not, we're just going to power on and power through this. That was the... Yeah, and it wasn't like we're ignoring it, you know, it was, um, we have choice here and like no matter how sad or how much we wallowed or how everything like dad wasn't going to come back, you know, his memory was always going to be there, but he wasn't going to come back. I suppose that was, that was the thought behind it. Mm. Did you ever talk to anyone professionally? No, I actually didn't. Any of my talking has been done here. <laughs> <laughs> On camera. Yeah. No, I haven't. Yeah. And when you spoke publicly and, you know, you mentioned it registered with your sister. It's a hard question to ask. Did you almost say, well, we should make an effort to talk about it more? Or do you quickly fall back into old habits or? No, we do. And it's more with meeting dad's family and you know, they tell lovely stories and it's it's nice to hear. And I spent a few summers in New York and he's a, a lot of family out there and they'd say, oh, look, he built this and he did that. And you're hearing, you know, lovely stories and of the memory and keeping him alive and that as well. So, mm. um, and like, he's he's not forgotten, like every big moment, like they're there, like you're thinking. And we won the Club All-Ireland in 2009. And I remember people from the local parish were like, your dad would be so proud of you. And it's those moments that you're like, it hits you or, it hit me last year before I got married that yeah. my dad wasn't going to walk me down the aisle. And it's like, it, yeah, obviously rugby is important and big matches are important. And people always do say your dad would be so proud of you, but it's moments like that that you're like, God, it really hit me that he wouldn't walk me down the aisle. Mm. Even though like I knew this, like he, he died in 2006, but it was the reality of those big days. Um, but my brother walked me down the aisle and that was really special. And I'm so happy that he did, you know, so... Um, perspective, I suppose. Yes, yes. When people say something like that to that, he'd be so proud of you, I'm sure you get, she'd be so proud of you. Does that almost, that, that sounds like that's a lot, almost a lot to deal with. That could catch you off guard almost a comment like that. Yeah, and it, it does sometimes, like, to be honest, like, um, yeah, like, I, I, I hope I'm making her proud. That's, that's, but look, that's the, that's the thing, like, yeah. I'm, like I said, that's, that's my why, that's why I have her name tattooed on my arm, just so, like I'm, ne- I'm never going to forget someone, mm. someone like that. Someone, and like even you get people who you might not have ever met before, like coming up and like you said, telling stories and stuff, and and just like incredible. You you don't think of of any bad time. You you can o- I only think of like the best memories I I have because that's all I have of her mm. really. So that's all like my family have really. It's like oh we we sit down. And, Christmas time and we'd be reminiscing about oh jeez when we were like just when we were kids and, and what, she, what she'd be doing what she, what she had to put up with dealing with me when I was <laughs> when I was running around tearing the place up when I was when I was younger so uh, yeah that's that's usually the the one that kind of catches you off guard oh, yeah. I should be so yeah I can imagine like you yeah. said 
Um, I should emphasize Emer and Andrew are not talking about this because it's easy. It's because they're very passionate about tackling your feelings and there's an app which is uh, very much there to help uh, children at school deal with tough times like this and, and less tough times. I guess what strikes me in listening to you and Andrew talk about it is it must have felt like I'm never going to get through this. Like this is it pretty much is about as bad a thing as possible that can happen. And it must feel like it's never going to be better. And I guess you guys are a good example for any teenager going through something really, really difficult that over time, you know, things pass and you can get through incredibly tough things. Yeah, and people are so resilient and they'll realise that they'll realise that in any tough situation that eventually they will get there through themselves, through help, through counsellors, through the Tackle Your Feelings app that there thankfully is so many resources in place. I know from working in a school environment that a lot of the teachers will be aware of these and I'm not sure how many teachers are aware of, yeah, I'm sure most were, but I don't know what was done or what was said, but I know as staff and students and there's there's supports now in place for for anyone anyone that's struggling. You don't have to have a death or a trauma in the family. It can be any type of type of struggle. And the really good thing is there there are those supports there, um, in schools and and the Tackle Your Feelings program is in schools. And we even did a wellbeing day last year for TYs where we um, I actually spoke for a forty minute period about Tackle Your Feelings and we did like a mindfulness coloring and we did like a goal setting day. And it's just it's those little things that in the past wouldn't have been important but now I suppose with the wellbeing curriculum and the TY program is being so vast and you can do anything to be honest in those and they're so creative um, there is a way to there's a way to get out of any tough situation. Mm. Uh, Billy I suspect like me you're sitting here listening to these two in yeah. total admiration. Yeah I suppose like I'm lucky I'm fortunate that I haven't gone through any of that but I suppose it does put everything in, into perspective and I think I suppose kind of a side thing is that it is an absolute privilege to hear both of you talk about it's really inspiring actually it's very humbling um and really does put things into perspective i suppose it teaches you a lot whether you're the person going through these hard times or whether you're a person witnessing someone going through those hard times is to just is to speak and talk to people about it and then yeah it teaches you to be grateful for what you have um because yeah i suppose what you two people went through is unbelievably tough I can imagine and mm. yeah it teaches, teaches me a lot um, to be grateful for what I have so thank you for that um, but yeah it is incredible I suppose to hear it. We might wrap up on that note uh, again just to remind people so you're listening to Off The Ball and we're supporting Tackle Your Feelings. It's brought to you by Rugby Players Ireland. It's in association with Zurich Ireland and the Z Zurich Foundation. So as you've probably gathered from the conversation, Tackle Your Feelings Schools, it's a free wellbeing programme and app. It's developed by experts and it aims to upskill students to deal with life's everyday challenges. And you can check out tackleyourfeelings.com. Uh, Billy Dardis, thank you. Imre Constantine, thank you. Andrew Porter, thank you. Um, amazing conversation. So genuinely, thank you all. Off The Ball Daily.